0: Let's face it, Brit happens. Success is rarely a straight line. It's a journey with many twists, turns, potholes, and unwelcome detours. The secret, however, lies in how we react. Keep listening to learn how to effectively respond to life's curveballs, improve your resilience, and how winners pivot from setbacks to success. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. Let's get started. I am super excited to welcome New Orleans native, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, and internationally acclaimed STEM advocate and educator, Dr. Calvin Mackey. Dr. Mackey, a former tenured Tulane engineering professor, first founded STEM NOLA in 2013 to expose, inspire, and engage communities in learning STEM. Their award-winning programs provide activities, events, and virtual learning to communities. Before the pandemic, the organization specialized in hosting events and bringing STEM experiences to urban neighborhoods. And over the past eight years, STEM NOLA, which is now an affiliate of STEM Global Action, has engaged more than 70,000 students. 17,000 families and over 2,000 schools across the nation and in five other countries. Whew, I gotta catch my breath with all these accolades. <laughs> Welcome, Dr. Mackey. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Brittany. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm really excited. I've been looking forward to this all week. You <laughs> earned your BS in math and mechanical engineering from Morehouse and Georgia Tech, respectively. Afterwards, that just wasn't enough for you. You said, hey, I need a master's and a PhD. I'm going to keep on going also in mechanical engineering. And like I said earlier, you worked in academia for over a decade. So Dr. Mackey, growing up, what kind of student were you? Were you always into math and science and kind of nerdy or just naturally gifted?
1: Well, Brittany, let me put it to you like this. (laughs) You know, I like when people read my bio and they talk about those things. Because I like to say I'm, um, you know, my name is Calvin Mackey. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm from back of town, Girtown, Zion City. I'm from the lower nine where we don't mind dying. I'm from that wild you. I thought I told you. I'm from that CP3. You know, you know me. The only thing I'm trying to say, Brittany, is that I started from the bottom and now I'm here. You know, yes, I graduated from Morehouse, but people don't, a lot of people don't know that I started Morehouse from remedial reading, developmental, Math- developmental mathematics. And 11 years later, I have four STEM degrees: a BS in math from Morris, a BS, MS, and PhD mechanical engineering from Georgia Tech. Now that's gangster. When a young brother can start in remedial reading, developmental math, and then 11 years later have four STEM degrees, and I say that the same many of the young men and women that's in our inner cities and urban areas, I am them, and they they are they are me. And we gotta believe that our children, from where they are right now can go anywhere in the world. And I I, I, I offer my life as proof uh, that if the community invests and believe, in our youth will respond.
0: Absolutely. So was that juvenile that you were quoting?
1: juvenile, the hot boys, the
0: way, Master All of my favorites. I knew it sounded familiar, but I was just like, you know, me trying to intertwine this, Ph.D. life with Juvie. I was like, oh, okay, but great. So it seems like the answer is you were just naturally a genius.
1: And, and i like to say this. Uh, Dan says, yes, and they are geniuses all over our communities that we have to mind. It blows my mind how, how, how colleges believe that they, are, that they are naturally gifted athletes in our communities. And you see these coaches in our communities. But these same universities don't believe that they are naturally gifted geniuses in our communities such that you never see the deans and the vice presidents and the presidents and uh, professors in our community looking for that talent. So, you know, maybe, you know, now it's easy when you look at the outcome to say, damn, dude. But on the front end, nobody was going, damn, dude. Right. You're absolutely
0: correct. And that's where you step in. So still a little bit more. So people, I think it's very inspirational that people know you don't necessarily have to start from here. You can, as you said, start from the bottom and now you're there. So you have a younger brother, actor Anthony Mackey, who is an actor, went to Juilliard, two completely different paths. So what was it like growing up in the Mackey household? I know your dad had a roofing company, so entrepreneurial blood Goes through your veins, and you guys both—you know—it goes without saying—have been phenomenally successful. So, what was your upbringing like?
1: It's crazy. Like we're one of six. We're one of six, and Anthony is the youngest. Okay. Uh, we're a decade apart, so our house was a very lively house. I mean, you can imagine all the big personalities. I got three sisters with big personalities. My older brother—he—that my older brother owns a club in New Orleans, and he has. The talent that I have and the talent Anthony has, he has all of it, right? So our house was a very gregarious, talkative, uh, <laughs> joking, uh, arguing. I mean, everybody had opinions. So the personality that you see in mm-hmm. Anthony comes out on the screen is really the, the genius from my mom and my dad. Uh, so that you know, that was the platform to let us know one. You know, my daddy told us, look, man, the greatest risk in the world is waking up, going to work with somebody every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got my PhD. I got tenure. My daddy came to the tenure party. He was in a corner, and he was drinking a gin and tonic, and he was smoking a (laughs) cigarette. And he said, boy, this this, this tenure thing must be important. I see all these potent people here. I said, daddy, I got tenure for life. He said, what that mean? I said, dad, I got a job for life. He took a drone of that cigarette, took a little sip of that gin. He said, boy, I don't know what tenure is, but I don't know one man that'll take care of another man for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. You better keep getting up and doing something for yourself. Now, Brittany, that's wisdom, right? I got all this education. Mm-hmm. And Julio, he got education, but my dad had wisdom because when Hurricane Katrina hit, uh, Tulane shut down the engineering school. As the first and only African-American ever changed in the history of the College of Engineering at Tulane University, I lost my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think but eight people live in my house, including my dad. And if I had not been doing something for myself, me and my family would have been out on the street. So we grew up in a house full of wisdom uh, that come from old souls, not so much all this education that people get <laughs> from books.
0: And it sounds like your dad made sure that you remain humble. Oh, there's, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> we had to cut yeah, the grass. That's just the tip of the iceberg with stories. But it was I'm sure you appreciate the the tough love now, clearly.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, my my employees don't understand me. My dad, you know, he had a roofing company and he'll just verbally destroy us all day. And then once we get back to the warehouse,
0: he'd be like, Y'all want a beer? Nobody wanna drink beer with you now, man. (laughs) After all that, that he did you ever intern or work with your dad at the company? That's the only job I ever had. I mean Oh. Time okay. I was seven
1: years old, you know, every summer and every every weekend. So okay, really, that, that, that's where our work ethic come from, right? We had a mom holding down the family, and we had a father who was who was drilling work ethic uh, mm-hmm. into it. and he got up every day, uh, rain or shine, and he went and put it down so his family could uh, survive. A roofer with a who dropped out of school in the eighth grade to pick cotton, who barely can read and write, built a a large roofing company in the city of New Orleans. So that's
0: that's where, it, you know, it
1: comes from mm-hmm. being able to see that every day.
0: Right. And obviously your mom had the toughest job, six of you all. That in Is itself, it? I don't think people give enough credit. For me, it's even more difficult. No offense to everybody else.
1: Hey, I got two. And every day, I, you know, I pray. I mean, uh, God, bless my mom's soul. You know, I lost my mom and my dad, you know, previously. And I look back and wow, they were amazing human beings. Mm-hmm. And in towns to do what they did uh, right. under the conditions. And we got a lot of stuff now. They didn't even have a lot of stuff. Uh, and they, you know, they they put together this thing called family.
0: Yes. So that was a little synopsis of Dr. Mackey's environment, how he has this huge personality and super grinded work ethic now. But now, so we're gonna fast forward. And so the term STEM. I guess it became popular I known in the early 2000s and I believe in 2001 was when it was formally introduced. And even now it's still like the sexy buzzword, but I found that there are very few organizations that are able to create sustainable and effective programs like you have done. So Dr. Mackey without, you know, spilling all your trade secrets, why do you think that's the case and what makes your organization is so special to be able to do what it has.
1: You know, for, first, first and foremost, thank you, Brittany, for doing your research, right? Because a lot of people think STEM has been around. In 1999, I wrote a paper called, it was published in 1999, called Promoting the Study of Science, Math, Engineering, and Technology Using Video Programming in Urban School Districts. Before it was STEM, it was SMET, S-M-E-T, right? And we had a big panel and people came together because it said SMET sounds too much like SMUT. So, we had to have a, a damn meeting to rearrange the words to come up with, with STEM. So, a lot of people, you know, know STEM, but they don't know SMET. And I see, I've been doing this when it was SMET, when it was MET, when it was ET, when it was TECH. And now I'm happy to be doing it when it was STEM. So, the point is, you know, we found this in 2013, and now we've engaged well over 70,000 kids and 17,000 families. And we put over $1.5 million into the hands of college students that we engage in the community. Uh, who go in and mentor and facilitate these activities with our K-12 kids. And Brittany, what I've had, which most people don't have, if I've had the opportunity of life experiences, right? I mean, I I was in this before it was STEM. So a lot of people jumping into it now because it's STEM and it's sexy and they think that's where the money is. But coming into this, I knew we had to create something, one that was operationalized, operational, but also that was sustainable. So we were able to bring together this system that I've really been working on 20 years. I tell people, look, they say, what would happen if social media go away? I said, suck, I was doing this before there was a Facebook. You know what I mean? (laughs) I still got my MySpace page where I was talking about STEM. I was doing this before Before there was an internet. I was doing STEM. So the bottom line is that I've been able to pick and see which worked, would work, what didn't work, and then put it together and avoid the the, the pit holes Uh, that many people now are going down into. And they say, well, you know, Mackie, you don't partner with people. I said, because that bull you're doing ain't going to work. We tried it in 1999, we tried it in 2005, 2010, it ain't, ain't going to work. So now for eight years, we've created a sustainable organization mm-hmm. doing seven figures a year, engaging kids in STEM. Uh, and the model is now scalable, transferable, and reproducible. And we're looking to take this model and put in other urban areas so that communities can own it, own their solution, Modify for their community and then engage their community so their kids can see the possibilities of the 21st century.
0: So, like you said, you're not new to this, you're true to this. So, let them all know. You know, I click, I go to the barber shop, and the cat, like, look, man, bro, I hope you're going trademark
1: that STEM stuff because Obama, Obama always talking about STEM now, man. He, I think he's trying to take your stuff. So, we talk about it, he said, man, you brought the, the lexicon, the STEM lexicon to the community. Mm -hmm. And Brittany, that's what what we are very proud of as an organization. We have common, everyday people talking about STEM and asking questions about what should my kid be doing? Uh, uh, We are changing a behavior pattern of parents around Christmas time. Parents are not coming to us going, what should I be buying? Instead of buying these tennis shoes, instead of buying these clothes, what do you think I should be buying? Because I didn't know my daughter was interested. I didn't know my son was interested in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now we're literally... Uh, changing the conversation in the community uh with parents so that they can make better decisions. I don't like to say better decisions. they can make more informed decisions about
0: the actions that they take so that they get different outcomes with their sons and daughters so and what I like and you talked about this, what you're doing versus others is public engagement with stem versus sure. just teaching or the technicalities of stem and I think that's a competitive advantage and and what others have not figured out what to do because it's important. And, and I've read many of your articles, seen a lot of the YouTube videos. And like you said, it seems like the parents now are also excited. Not only that their, their children are excited about something else beyond dolls and sports. And there's nothing wrong with that, but.
1: Well, well but that's, you said, don't give away the trade secret. That is the trade secret, right? <laughs> People think it's about two things. They think it's about STEM and they think it's about the kids. Mm-hmm. So other people, they say we're doing coding, right? There are people that have gotten a million dollars for coding and know not a damn person know how to code. But but you know, but, but 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 they got their picture online, they put on press releases, you know, you know they, they on TV talking about coding, you know, they're on magazine, like I'm the code king, and not a damn kid know how to code. Hell the kid came and spelled code, right? Everybody now putting out press releases about what they gun do. We say we don't, we don't talk about the work that we've done. Do we talk about the work that we've done? So we only put our press release about what we have done. The secret is that the kids in the STEM are the children's horse to get to the parents. So we bring we have these big events. The kids the kids got to bring, the parents got to bring the kids. We make a lot of bells and whistles, but the parents got to stay the first 30 minutes. And that first 30 minutes, I got to say something or present somebody that says something to really touch those parents and they to the parents and go, look. You know, this is different. And you know how we do this. We we have our activities in recreation facilities. And we in three hours, we transform recreation facilities into laboratories. So the kids show up thinking that they're going to a gym. They mad. The parents mad. But when they they walk in, they're like, what is going on? They're like, this is something different. So they haven't figured it out yet. So now they got to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So at our events in three hours, we take kids who wasn't even interested in STEM and give them an experience such that three hours later they walk away going, this just may be a possibility, right? But then the parents see something different than their daughter or their son, and then they say, Well, you no, know, what's going on here? And right. then that's when that triangular conversation starts going
0: on between the kid, the parent, and us. So the parent can make better informed decisions. And Dr. Mackey, these programs are primarily done in And what's the term? I like the term that you use. It wasn't disadvantaged. And not underserved.
1: What was? No, I, I, I say, you know, location is very important to us. So we we believe in STEM for all, but but we specifically focus on low income, low resource communities. Mean, you know, I grew up. I didn't have stuff. I wasn't disadvantaged. I just didn't have stuff that other people got. And, and mm-hmm. this is an example I like to make, right? So I was a professor at Tulane University. and Everybody knows Tulane University is a real wealthy university. In twelve years, I taught fourteen black kids. So you know. Mm -hmm. They had more football players than they had black kids in engineering school. So Tulane is in uptown New Orleans. You know, just like University of Miami, they're like sister schools, Uh private schools. But on the side of town I grew up on, Tulane never come. So I asked the question even today, if Tulane University disappears, what does that mean to my damn community? Mm -hmm. So when I started my STEM program, I put my STEM program in my community where I grew up. And I said, I really do believe if we could create something of value, people are gonna come get it. So now we got people coming from other communities to the community where I grew up, who nobody would ever thought their people would be coming to our community. <laughs> you know what they're coming from? Because they see something of value for their kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You gotta leave your community to get something of value. Uh society is you know is is is, is implicitly telling you something about you and the value of your community. So now. We're building a 42,000 square foot in STEM innovation hub in the same community where I grew up. So now kids have to leave their community and go uptown where the, where the wealthy people live, where the well-to-do people live, to get something of quality. If those people want it, they got to come to this community. And If they don't want to come to hell with them.
0: <laughs> it, but I, it seems like they're still coming.
1: Oh, they're coming. You know they are going to come.
0: Right, they're going to come because they recognize the value. So they say, you know what, we're going to take the risky commute to get something good for my child. And an example I use
1: is this. They never build stadiums in rich communities. No, nope. They go where it's poor land and they build a stadium. And then they put value in that stadium. Brothers running up and down that field. And people say, that's a value to me. And if people buy $100,000 tickets, I saw you at that fight, Brittany. Y'all buy them tickets. And you go to the stadium, and I said, if they can put stadiums in our community, and people traveling to these communities because it's something of value, why can't I create a STEM stadium, put value in it, and have people come to the whole region, and then import economics into our community, so we can have stores, so we can have restaurants, because now if we got people coming from a 150-mile radius, where there's 400 different schools, what they're going to bring with them is economic development, and that's what we're doing. So this STEM
0: thing is really, I say we're building, we're building STEM capacity to building community. And that is actually, you said you must have read my notes, but my question, because I'm a big, and you are too, um, economic development um, advocate, and I strongly believe that when the economic ills of our society are resolved, are worked on, then naturally the societal ills will be solved. So like you just mentioned, and I never even thought about an analogy with stadiums, but the same thing with, you know, expressways, they always do it in lower resource. That's my new term, not mm-hmm. under, under, certain, not, not a, what is it? disadvantage, but lower resource neighborhoods because it's cheaper and then they bring the value and then everything else follows. So why, Dr. Mackey, do you still believe that Blacks, particularly, well, you know more than me, Black women or girls are still on the lower totem pole in terms of STEM education and professions?
1: Uh, you know, that's why it was very important when you talked about me and my brother, I had to say I got three sisters too, right? Everything I am and almost you know, everything I shall become has almost been because of Black women. I got my PhD, my PhD advisor with Dr. Carolyn Myers, who's the former president of. Jackson State, former president of Norfolk State. I was walking down the hall. She saw me with a hat on my head. She slapped the hat off my head, and I'm like, "Lady, who are you?" She said, "I don't." She didn't "Doesn't matter who I am. I know your mama taught you different." Wow! And she was a professor at Georgia Tech. Took me in her lab, and eight years later, I was a doctor. Uh, when I, you know, came to high school, and people noticed I had a deficiency in uh, reading, it was Miss Venison who took me under her wing and pushed me on. In fourth grade, it was Miss Carter. I mean, so. The role that women have played in my life, it is almost, uh, uh, I'm obligated to make sure that women, and especially our black and brown girls, get not, not equal access, access, but all the access they deserve to know the possibilities of the 21st century. I mean, STEM is still a white male dominated industry. And then when they start talking about uh, the, uh, minorities and diversity, they're really talking about white women. When they really start talking about, you know, let's get more minorities into uh, STEM, the really money really going to white women. So I am uh, unapologetic about our would need to focus on, on children who look like me and my sisters, who otherwise society continue to marginalize mm-hmm. uh, in every which way. There's a white girl missing in Wyoming, and I'm still trying to figure out why I know that. Hey, I'm trying to figure out where's Wyoming understand what I'm saying? Where's Wyoming? We can't even pick homie out on the damn map. So when you see what society put value on, then you understand why we're underrepresented because we are just not valued. My son said something to me that blew my mind. My son just got a full ride, full tuition, money, and fee scholarship to Howard University. I mean, and he's my son, and we've groomed him just like people groom athletes, such that all this will come his way. We told him, son, if you do this, this, and this, this gonna happen. And my son did this this, and this. Because I, if I can't do it with my own, how are people going to trust me to do it with, with, with theirs? And my son did everything he was supposed to do. Uh, and people was giving him scholarships. But some schools that we really thought was going to give him scholarships did not. And my son said something. He said, Daddy, Black lives
0: may matter, but Black minds don't. Ooh. That was very profound for anyone, let alone a teenager. Brittany, I, I, I grabbed
1: him. I kissed him on his head. <laughs> says, son, you are ready for the world? You ready? You ready? You ready for the world? And that's why we, black women, are underrepresented. That's why. Hell, if you look at medical school right now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, medical schools are crying for black males. There are more. There were more black males into medical school, school in 1974 that that's now entering now. So when you look at what society uh, does value amongst us, when you start looking at how they value the culture mm-hmm. and the things that they market to our children. When the richest, most wealthiest black person in America is Robert Smith, who's a STEM person, who's a, who got a chemical engineering degree, who makes his money from flipping, not houses, but flipping technology companies. But they only sell us Oprah, Michael Jordan and Kanye and Jay-Z. I'm a hustler baby. I just want you to know it's not where I've been, but where I'm about to go. So where are we about to go? Because I'm teaching my kids about Robert Smith.
0: I was, I was kept nodding because I thought the sermon was going to continue. <laughs> but that's why I was like, Oh, <laughs> but anyway, I, I definitely, hopefully your son has already trademarked and made hats or um, shirts because I would definitely purchase one.
1: Oh, there it is. I'm gonna call him right now. Get it, son.
0: <laughs> hey, this can subsidize stuff. Well, he had a full ride, so you don't even have to pay tuition anyway. There so, it is. He, can, he can make money and then pay help other kids pay their tuition. That is very altruistic and true. Let me be more kind hearted on this Friday morning. I wasn't <laughs> even thinking like that. You have amazing analogies. And one recent one I read you said that you compared Captain America's new indestructible vibranium used to help tackle life's toughest foes like racism, poverty, and discrimination, the doorway to the future. To STEM, and I thought that that was brilliant, and also a way that people who, even though STEM is is sexy and a buzzword, not everyone fully understands what it is and its value. So, can you expound upon that a little more? You know, you,
1: you know, you know, it's funny, right? So I'm watching my brother with the fellow, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, "Bro, you never win any fights, right? You
0: get no fights." So you're big brother-ish of you, of <laughs> you. okay? You start so, uh, so flapping your wings. And then you
1: become Captain America. You ain't got no superpower, brother. What you is your superpower, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, I was, and I, so he we get together. I got a ribbon, right? I ain't got no white man, bro. I got superpower. You need to drink that stuff. Go drink the stuff. <laughs> but you know, but his superpower is not. You know, his superpower are the critical skills we need for the 21st century, like mm-hmm. critical thinking, creativity. And then the uniform and everything that he wears, the vibranium he got from Wakanda. This is all STEM. If you look at if you look at Africa, right, the continent of Africa, Africa is the richest continent in the world. It's just that they to this day people still continue to rape Africa for its uh, minerals and materials uh, like vibranium, uh, you know, or uranium, or the stuff they need to make semiconductors, or the stuff they need to make iPhone are being ripped out of Africa mm-hmm. and put in other places. And such that it seemed like other people got superpowers when they really don't. And the thing about it, and what I love about the Sam Wilson Captain America, that just happened to be my brother, is the role that STEM is playing in him now achieving the things that he want to achieve for America. You know, it, it's his mechanical wings, is the, the power of the vibranium suit, uh, is the way he got to fly, you know, it's the, it's the red uh, angel uh, thing that he deployed. I mean, all of the stuff that we are trying to get the kids is right down the screen. So while uh, uh, Joan and my brother, Doug and my brother, I said, hey, there's a connection here. And that connection is the new Captain America is really the Captain America of STEM. And he's showing our kids the possibility that they can do that. You know, Robert Smith, right? Mm-hmm. Look at him, the, the wealth and economic development he's creating because he has conquered the world of STEM. And STEM really... Uh, people is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and it's really an acronym for all those different uh, things that you can do, whether it's a career or even a trade, uh, to participate in. So from the plumber, to the electrician, to the electrical engineer, to the computer scientist, all those things uh, comprise that which we call STEM.
0: And I forgot to ask before, what did SMET stand for? Same thing, just the letters in a different way, just science, math,
1: engineering, technology you know what? I feel so
0: stupid. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> In my head, I kept thinking, and then when it was, oh, it was, it was never smut. It just sounded too much like, that. Much like smut. Because I kept on thinking, what would you be for, but trying to pay attention, but okay, now it all makes sense. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And, and that's so. crazy for, right? Look, the engineering community, they really thought the problem was the
1: sound of the word. No, the problem ain't the sound of the word. The problem is that you're not communicating with the people in a way that they can digest what you're saying such that we can get the response that we need. And that's what STEM NOLA has been able to do. Talk to our community in a way, you know, and I, and I don't know, maybe people never thought they'd be hearing a PhD in engineering talk like I'm talking, but I'm able Thank to go you. into communities and talk to communities in a way that they say, you know what, one, you want us us. two- I believe in you. Three, I can trust you. What should I be doing with my kid? That's the same thing they do with athletes and entertainers, right? And that's where we have to get to as them. We can't go talk down to people on our nose. Right. We got to get them, get, meet people where they are and speak a language that they can receive so they can say, hey, let's roll.
0: So one of the qualifications, Dr. Mackey, you know, if I want to do this here in Miami, if I can quote Drake, Lil Wayne, Jay-Z, and one other, I'll do Young Miami from City Girls. That's like one of the criteria in the interview. I can do that.
1: Well, I mean, you might want to do Trick Daddy, Luke, or somebody else, right? You're
0: right. Or
1: add those two, something regional. All right, check. And and that's the thing, right? And that's what we need to talk about, creating STEM Miami, Uh, because this is a model you could take, put in Miami, and engage the entire community. And Uh, that's why we believe that, you know, communities need to own a solution. You're not trying to bring STEM NOLA to Miami. We want to take the model like McDonald's, right? To all be patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, (laughs) sesame seed bun, bring the model to Miami and have you run the model such that you get the same results. We just need somebody or you need to find somebody that's just uh, what I call an edu evangelist, right? They're just as passionate about STEM Mm -hmm. as anybody else to be out there uh, or forward-facing. Telling the community about it, so you know if you can't quote Luke Patrick Daddy, we can find somebody. Sure.
0: Okay, that can fill <laughs> in and step in for you. All right, that's fair. So, Dr. Mackey, anyone who's listening, which I would think would be everyone who's now even more excited about STEM now and wants to get involved, if they live in New Orleans or not, how can they? How can they find you or your organization online?
1: You know, uh, thank you for asking that question because. Uh, We're now getting inquiries from around the world. It'll be soon. We're going to be starting, hopefully, STEM Tanzania Mm. and maybe STEM Ghana. So people who have incomes asking, how can we do this? So we've been on a campaign to rebrand like STEM NOLA to STEM Global Action. Where STEM NOLA, STEM Miami, STEM Tanzania, STEM Illinois, all that will just be affiliates under this big umbrella, STEM Global Action. So people can go to STEMglobalaction.com or STEMNOLA.com and find all the information that they need. With the COVID pivot, we're not doing stuff virtually, and we're engaging kids in 47 states and uh, in five countries. So uh, especially for the parents, the aunts, the grandmother, grandfather, I don't care if you got a grandson, a daughter, or a son, you want to get involved, go sign up for the newsletter. And every time we have an event, you'll, you'll get the information. And most of the time it's free because we are soliciting sponsors to pay for shipping so that we can ship the kits Across the world. And if if it's not free, the programming is definitely free. There'd okay. be a small shipping and handling fee for the kit to offset uh, expenses. So.
0: Oh, awesome. Um, so, parents, if you can't pay shipping and handling, if that's even there, then, then you need to reevaluate your parenting
1: skills. Yep. And, we, but we've never turned anybody down. I mean, you know, even in New Orleans, we say if you get free lunch, you get it for free. And if you don't, you got a penny. So, what well, if people lie? I said, they're going to lie to get. Uh, stem free for their kids. Shame on them. Right. But I don't want to lose that genius because the parents on something different.
0: That is true. You should not punish the child. And that's how I have to think because of ignorance elsewhere.
1: But I do try to shame the parent. Though. I let the parent know. You, know, I'm like, you were no. like,
0: no, no, let me finish, though. But they do get chastised. Okay. Yeah, I, write, I write
1: letters. I mean, parents sign up for events and then they don't show. I write a very stern letter. Not only did your kid did not get what you signed up for the kid to get, but by doing this, you blocked the opportunity for another kid. Right. And and, and that is unacceptable. It's selfish both ways. It's selfish both ways. And I'm unapologetic about challenging uh, adults to be better adults Mm -hmm. because the children don't decide.
0: Right. Now, Dr. Matthew, this part of my podcast is called The Fire Round. Uh So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, short questions, and you just have to spit out the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Uh, Yeah, let's go. All right, let's go. All right. What was the last thing that you ordered on Amazon?
1: (laughs) A fish pump for my son's uh, turtle aquarium.
0: Oh, okay. super stemtastic and (laughs) macified. How would I expect anything else? I'm like the turtle gonna
1: die, boy. I had a pump, the pump broke, and you didn't order a new pump. So last night we ordered a pump.
0: (laughs) Wait, is the turtle in DC or the turtles in New Orleans?
1: My youngest son, the one that's still at home, I got a job. Oh, okay,
0: okay,
1: all right. Now he's in the girls, and he's not taking care of his turtle, so that was our conversation.
0: Okay, (laughs) is there a food that you will absolutely not eat?
1: Ooh, that I absolutely would not eat. Um, ooh, that I would not eat. Not eat. What you call it? Anchovies? Is that the little fish? Mm-hmm. I hate it. Anchovies.
0: Okay, so we're still in the, the fish world, so no anchovies in any grilled, canned, nothing. Not on a pizza, nothing. Don't, okay. Nothing. All right. What is your biggest pet peeve?
1: Uh, people burping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so even if it's an accident, you probably would give them a side eye.
1: Everybody knows it. My, my whole team, family, wife, everybody knows. If you burp, I'm just going to lose it.
0: Right? Okay. <laughs> All right. If you had a 100% chance of succeeding, what would you attempt to do?
1: Ooh, we. What I'm doing right now. Trying to get a million kids in the STEM uh, uh, every day. That that would
0: transform our world. All right. Last two questions, Dr. Mackey. What would you tell yourself 20 years ago?
1: Oh, but 20 years ago, oh, 20 years. I'm trying to figure out what year is this. Uh, 20 years ago, I tell myself, look, uh, take the risk. Take the risk. It is absolutely worth it. Get up and go after, you know, many things catch your eyes, but very few things catch your heart. We go after those things that catch our eyes. Follow your heart. And in the end, even if you don't succeed, you're going to be at peace.
0: I love it. Okay. And last question, Dr. Matthew How much of your success? do you attribute to hard work and how much from God's grace and or luck?
1: Uh, for me to be able to do the things that I've done to accomplish what I've been able to accomplish, you know, me plus God is, a, is an army and a majority. Yes. Uh, I believe that, you know, there's four things we should get up and study every day and it's spirituality training and listening, culture and money. Spirituality is the first one, you know, and people say, what about religion? I say, my grandmother taught me religion is for, for, religion is for people afraid to go to hell, spiritualities for people who've been there already. Mm. So uh, my relationship with God and the grace of God, uh, supporting me and believing in me when nobody else did, whispering in my ear that, you know, you can do this when nobody believed, that has played such a large role. Now the work got to be done. See, people, people like, you know, they go to church and pray and they believe in God and then they sit there and wait and God like, no, nah, you need to get up off your behind. You know, you <laughs> God over there, when the work is, and you sitting here talking about, I'm waiting on God. No, God waiting on you. He ain't never moved. You know? <laughs> so right. you gotta put in the work. Right? People are like, I'm working hard. i working hard doing nothing, fool. Uh, you gotta put in the work, but you gotta have that spiritual foundation to know that when the world come after you, and they're gonna come after you, mm-hmm. if you trying to do something, people in the world gonna come after you. You gotta have that spiritual foundation to know that you got on your arm and you're gonna be all right.
0: This is your whole family has sayings from your grandma to your son. Black minds don't matter. Wait, what what was the, what did your grandma say? I loved it. And I forgot that quickly, but I'm going to play it back.
1: Oh, uh religion, she said religion is for people who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for people who've been there
0: already. See, I got about 3 t-shirts from this <laughs> from this conversation from the, the Mackies. But this was amazing. Nothing short of what I expected, Dr. Mackie. I appreciate you getting up so early on a Friday to join us. I learned more today and I, I'm still very interested. I know people say that all the time on this in Miami. I went through, I did my homework. Now I'm like, okay, what's the next step? So we'll have to talk about it.
1: Let's talk. About I, don't, I, I want to leave the people with this. In the 21st century, our children are only going to have three three options: either they're going to take something, break something, and or make something. If we don't give our our children the education, the skills, and the training to make something, like make a living, make a life, make a difference, that's only going to leave them with the two options that we see on the news every night. So, Brittany, I know it. Brit happens, but we don't want that for our children. So, thank you for having me and allowing me to talk to uh, your community. And to everybody who's listening, I appreciate you.
0: Thank you so, so much. And have a fabulous weekend. We will be in touch. we do. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode of Brit Happens. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or Google. You can also find me online at www.brithappens.com and on social media. Instagram, or Facebook at Brittany Sharpton. See you next time.